Social entrepreneur Ryan Turnbull decided to focus his attention on policy change when he ran for and won a seat in the Canadian Parliament in 2019. Today, his passion for social innovation and for advancing a more equitable economy is on full display as a member of the federal Liberal Party. What's he up to? What gives him hope? We speak with him next. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change magazine. I'm also the author of a book by the same name, In the Business of Change, profiling social entrepreneurs around the world and their lessons learned. You can purchase the print or audiobook format at your local bookstore or on Amazon. On today's podcast, we speak with Member of Parliament Ryan Turnbull, whose fascination with social change led to his founding a social innovation consulting firm before being elected to government. In our conversation, Ryan shares how his experience with social enterprise inspired a lifelong commitment to creating a more equitable society. We talk about his work with the Social Innovation Caucus and why he believes social innovation and social finance are integral to economic recovery. Finally, Ryan explains why he's hopeful that a post-COVID Canada will embrace an economy that lifts up its most vulnerable and supports equity for all. I studied philosophy, so uh, did a BA and master's degree traveled around the world, um, lived in South Korea for a while, and worked in ethics in, uh, in medical research, actually ethics, for a little while at the University of London in the UK. Uh, and then I opened my own consulting firm to do um, essentially social innovation consulting, uh, which I sort of fell into and uh, through a local halfway house where I grew up in, in Brampton, in Peel region. And uh, I actually helped develop a couple of social enterprises and I ran them uh, for numerous years working with chronically homeless individuals and men that got out of federal penitentiaries. And so it was uh, really interesting. What I got really excited about was the power of social enterprise. Uh, It was so exciting for me. I got like social enterprise fever (laughs) and uh, I went on to you know, do 350 projects in social innovation over um, about 12 years. Company that I ran grew and grew and grew. We had about 15 staff and 30 contractors at one point. Uh, And um, just in the last little while, I mean, the federal government developed the first ever social innovation, social finance strategy for Canada. And I was so enthralled by this. I was like, this is it. We, it's like policy is such an important tool to enable the sector and be able to do all these innovative things that are really making an impact on the ground on people's lives. It's real, you know, tangible impact. And for me, I got super excited by that. And then I, the, at the prospect of thinking, well, what would happen if another government that didn't believe in that got into power? And I just couldn't stand there and let that happen. So I decided to run in the election that I won. I get to work on stuff uh, that I'm really passionate about. And I'm very excited uh, by that opportunity. In terms of my priorities, I mean, my first priority is always to represent the people of Whitby uh, and to advocate for their interests. And I have about 10 
big issues that I'm working on, which is a lot, you know, most people say pick one or two. Uh, I've got a list of 10 seniors and long-term care and the national standards for long-term care is a huge issue for me right now, mm -hmm. uh, advocating for young people. Uh, but social innovation, social finance is the opportunity that I have to take some of my background and skill set uh, from the sector and from all the work I've done and, um, you know, make a difference on the national policy uh, stage. So that's where I'm pushing uh, right now uh, through the caucus that I helped initiate. First of all, you're taking on a lot for someone who's just gotten into uh, politics. So, so kudos to you. Congratulations and all that, the effort and um, the zeal with which you come into this uh, position. It's not always easy, especially during this time. In terms of like the initiatives that, um, that you've recently pushed for, adopted to, to foster social innovation, is there anything that you specifically want to mention? And I want to get to uh, the caucus as well. So tell us more about that. Yeah, no, I appreciate the question. Um, so, you know, quickly after getting elected, I, I made my colleagues know that, uh, that this was an area I was very passionate about. So I think they're probably... Uh, I wouldn't say sick of hearing from me about this, but uh, but they certainly know me as the person that's constantly bringing forward comments about the power of social innovation, social finance, social enterprise. And uh, so I've made interventions at every national caucus meeting that we've had in this area, which is the chance to talk to cabinet and the prime minister and all of the other members of the governing party today. So there's 155 of us, um, that, uh, that are meeting once a week uh, when Parliament's sitting. But I, early on, I decided to, to help initiate the, uh, the Social Innovation Caucus. The Liberal Party already had an Innovation Caucus uh, from years past, so we kind of retooled that into the Social Innovation Caucus, and I agreed to take on the chair position. In terms of like initiatives, there's two big things that I think we've accomplished so far. One, uh, I got to present to National Caucus for 10 minutes, which is very rare, uh, on why social enterprise is the key to building a sustainable economy in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked on that for hundreds of hours to refine my presentation down to, uh, you know, 10 minutes worth, whereas normally I'd have eight hours or, you know, a four workshop series of four days with people. I've experienced this for many years. You know, you talk to friends and family members and people from all walks of life and you mentioned social enterprise and people say, you, they give you a look like they know what you're talking about. And, uh, but I find usually when you paint them a portrait and you tell them a story about a specific social enterprise yeah. that you've had an experience with, um, they get it and the light bulb goes on and they get really excited about it. And most people have the reaction, why aren't we doing more of this? Right. So I felt like educating the caucus was the one, one big thing that I could help do because I know this space so well. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was big. And that helped gain interest in the Social Innovation Caucus, too, because more people knew what it was. They got jazzed about it. And like me, they were on board with talking more about it. So people got engaged. We had a big meeting with the uh, about 60 stakeholders from across Canada uh, that I hosted. Uh, and then out of that, we had some more meetings as members of Parliament uh, to figure out what we were going to ask for. And essentially, we took up the three main asks and we've written a letter and I was very happy to get almost all of the Liberal Party 
caucus to support this letter. So it's uh, the, the three main asks is to double the investment readiness program. So we already launched the investment readiness program. It was $50 million. Uh, and it's, it's already basically, you know, distributed and accounted for. Uh, the, what we know from Imagine Canada and other reports out there is that the sector really is not investment ready. I mean, there are some social enterprises and social innovations and social impact organizations that are investment ready that could eventually cap into the social finance fund. But um, relatively few in the grand scheme of things. We need to help a lot more of those kind of startup enterprises to get to investment readiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if they can't service a, a small loan or the interest on a, a loan, they're not going to be able to tap into the social finance fund. So that's one. The second is front end load the social finance fund. It's supposed to be $755 million. It was in a previous budget. And uh, I've asked with the Social Innovation Caucus as a whole has asked for 400 million of those funds to be released immediately to help with COVID-19 recovery so -hmm. that the Social Finance Fund through the lens of economic recovery post COVID-19 that we look at how it can be leveraged to help us build a more inclusive, equitable, resilient and sustainable economy, which is I mean, in my view, need to do. And I think our government is fully on board with that. Right. If you look at the new speech from the throne. The third ask was to look at creating social innovation clusters, which would be um, essentially focus areas where we could work across sectors to inspire innovation and then fund kind of groundbreaking impact projects uh, that correspond with what's most important to Canadians right now. So think food security, think maybe affordable housing and ending homelessness, think the uh, energy transition, think uh, reconciliation, think uh, ending systemic or eliminating systemic racism. Uh, These, and there's many others, uh, big issues. We we could use social innovation and that approach to enhance our impact in these key areas. Okay. Promoting the idea of social innovation as a priority for economic recovery and for the budget, could you sort of sum up um, why you believe and what your argument is to get people on board to realize the importance uh, for the economy? Yeah, I mean, basically, it's a market-based solution. Um, It's strategic. It's temporary and time limited. In other words, like the social finance fund, I believe government can put in 755 million. Those dollars are gonna be matched by private investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that money is gonna be le- loaned out, which helps a whole bunch of social enterprises scale up significantly. The number of jobs that that's gonna create and f- specifically who it's gonna create jobs for perfectly corresponds with the disproportionate impacts that COVID-19 has had on certain segments of the population. The social economy, it specifically targets parts of society and tries to solve persistent social or environmental challenges mm-hmm. with an economic model. It's, it's you know combining entrepreneurship and social and environmental impact uh, is the perfect hybrid for transforming our economy as well. So to me, 
we get so much bang out of our buck. Uh, for And this is taxpayers' money we're talking about. So by my calculations, social innovation and this type of investment would create a minimum of 25 times the amount of jobs and specifically targeted in industries that are uh, underpaid, uh, where, where there's lower wage workers, where there's more of a sort of nomadic culture like the trades or food service. So it's gonna enhance the conditions. It's gonna offer more jobs. Uh, and I think, you know, create a more resilient and inclusive equitable economy at the same time. The other thing that I think really that I highlighted was the, the proportion of government investment in social programs, I don't know if you know this, but I, I was just completely appalled by this. Over the 150 years, it has gone from 5% of GDP to almost 50% of GDP. The economy is not, it's not taking care of people in the way we need it to, such that government has to increase taxes and increase spending to compensate for that. Well, when are we going to get at the root cause of the problem? The root cause of the problem is that the economy is, is not functioning in a way that takes care of people on the planet. And so fundamentally for me, we have to make this shift at some point. And I believe this is the solution. Because look, if the market takes on a new consciousness, then we're not going to need the amount of uh, government programs and expenditure that goes along with a dysfunctional economy, in my view. Agreed. And it is obvious that you're very passionate about this topic. So um, I guess what frustrates a lot of us is why it's taken so long to get to this argument and to make it so effectively. Um, but hopefully with your efforts and the efforts of the, the caucus and others around you uh, who support it, they, we finally will see that a new way of looking at the economy and, and the value it can bring to society, correct? I really feel the frustration too, but I also... I keep it in check because for me, it's demotivates me. It, yes. it, it creates a sense of feeling that we can't, that it's never going to happen. And it, it's almost like it fuels this sense of like wanting to give up and I won't allow myself to be taken over by that. And I encourage everybody, anybody who's listening, do not let the frustration of the fact that it's taken too long, dominate your perception of what, of, what we can accomplish. Because if we do that, in a way, we, we sort of resign ourselves eventually. Uh, I think over time that builds up. And I must say, my colleagues have been so supportive. People are waking up, they realize that this makes sense. I literally got all of the Liberal caucus to support this. Like, and, and I'm, you know, I'm so thankful that people are willing to listen and consider this. And then when they hear it, that they're getting excited about it. And like, I started with like one social enterprise in my community. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I think, you know, the, the journey that I've kind of been on over time, um, you know, I, I agree, it's taken a long time, 15 years in my lifetime, but I know colleagues that have been doing this for 30, 40 years that were involved in community economic development before it was even ever called social innovation, social this. enterprise. And those folks have been waiting 30 or 40 years for this to happen. So, you know, I think it's incredibly exciting what we've been able to achieve already. And I just, I only see opportunity for enhancing this work in the future. And I'm really happy that I'm a part of a team that is listening to that, that is committed to that. Even if they're not moving as fast as I would like sometimes, <laughs> they are listening, they're excited about it. And I think they believe it is the right direction to move in. 
And that's amazing that you just added that. I really appreciate that because it brought me to the, do you have hope and what are your, you know, future for 2021 and onward? Are you hopeful? Um, and, and, you know, anything you wanted to say on that? So I have, yeah, I have a lot of hope. Uh, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of optimism. I think COVID-19 uh, is just, it's been horrible for people. It's really like I am just brokenhearted for so many people out there that um, have lost a loved one or lost their small business uh, or, um, you know, are just really struggling uh, or have, who are just isolated and, you know, maybe uh, experiencing a sort of lack of mental health as a result of this. There are many, many, many impacts so many um, and it's it's really reminded us of what's important i think it's sh it's shone a light on all of the parts of our systems which i think are are broken in many ways or insufficient and i think it's given us this once in a lifetime opportunity to look at those and say okay how can we innovate and change our system now is the time we need to engage the change agents that are out there that already inspire us are already have already piloted a lot of solutions and there is a, a new a chance to uh, you know really transform our economy right now as we build back better and that's been the phrase we've been using it's caught on I, the build back better message i think really gives me a lot of hope I think as we come out of this, we are going to rock and roll in terms of, in terms of change. It's going to be a new era, almost like a renaissance of, you know, Canadian culture and society. And that gives me a lot of excitement and hope. You know, I, I hope that uh, all of the colleagues that are ex as passionate and excited about this movement across Canada, we'll see that this is our time. I hope you're right. I believe you are actually. It's just, it's hard to, you know, we, we are, like you said, a lot of us are in that funk at this point. We sort of went back down into like, you know, in fetal position. So I think we have to hear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I understand so it's good to hear it though. And it's good to hear those hopeful messages. Um, you got a lot of work cut out for you. So uh, <laughs> I wish you lots of luck. I, I believe your passion and drive and persistence is going to take you far and take the rest of us far along with you. So I appreciate that. And thank you for your mm -hmm. efforts. It's been a good, it's a good conversation at a good time. So thanks thank so you. much for having me. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your remarks there. And uh, I'll continue to fight for, uh, for this to move forward. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm doing everything I can. And I, th I hope that gives people some hope. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Bierbaum.